You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, we are in the series uh, called Everyday Faith. Everybody say Everyday Faith. And it's a fall series focused on the book of James. And if you don't have a copy of the book of James already, literally right now I want you to get up. You can go out and grab one. They're on the tables out there. And we encourage you to follow along. It's got scripture on one side. And then on the other side, make sure you grab a pen. You can make notes and it's going to become a treasure. You can put uh, ideas that God is speaking to you or big takeaways or questions and uh, utilize this. Uh, And it's really, really a great tool. The book of James is all about stability. In fact, in the very first chapter, it talks about being steadfast, and it's about maturing in our faith. How many of you would agree that instability as a believer should not be something that we would even consider? We are called to be stable people. And so with James, he's writing already, we've talked about trials and temptations, Trials in the sense that there's a test of our faith. Temptations in the sense that we can overcome our temptations. We do not have to um, be overcome by those. Last week, we talked about faith in action, that we are, as God's people, not just called to hear the word of God, but we are called to be doers of the word. And that is really the theme verse. We focused on that last week uh, in uh, James chapter 1, verse 22. And uh, I just want to encourage you, our faith in action is so important. And really, it's about stability. Stability is the goal. And as James is writing this book or this letter, it was written to 12 churches in the dispersion is the way it's said, 12 churches that have been scattered from Jerusalem. And there was a problem that he's addressing, multiple problems, and today we're going to address the issue of partiality. He sees an issue in the church and he wants to take root and he says, hey, we're going to speak to this. He talks about stability, maturity, having an everyday faith. And he gives two examples, uh, or he gives an example of two people coming into the church that are very, very different. And he really presents a test for the churches and in their congregations. And as we move into chapter 2 today, again, the focus today is on the sin of partiality. He actually calls showing favoritism a sin. And I want you to see this as a hard-hitting, strong word. James is wanting to step on our toes. It is very straightforward. We, as we read this, it should be taken personally. Before we get to the reading of the scripture, I've got two quick questions. I'm wondering how many of you here, or if you're online, you can just type in, say, yes, I am a favorite. I'm wondering how many of you here are a favorite son or daughter or niece or nephew? How many are a favorite? Come on, I see some hands. My hand is up with you, yes. Uh, Favorite spouse? No, 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 we're not going to go there. Just just, just kidding, just kidding. But hey, hey, listen, 
I am a favorite grandson. My grandpa Zoltan, I was his favorite. My dad, uh, I was my favorite, it was, I was my dad's favorite son. And I'll tell you, it passes on. My son Logan, who's on the front row, he is my favorite son. And the reason I can say this is because my dad was the only boy that my grandpa had. My son, my dad only had one son, that's me, and I only had one son, and so Logan and I are carrying on the Vey name, and we're the favorites, and I know some of you, you look at those that raise your hand, and you're saying, favorites, I hate it, you know, I hate that, I wasn't the favorite, but uh, you're just going to have to get over that, so that was the first question, just wanted to get that out of the way, has nothing to do with the message today, although we are going to talk about favoritism, but not in that way. But the more important question is, I'm wondering, how many of you have ever been judged? Come on, let me see your hands. If you've ever been judged, discriminated, treated differently for some reason or another, we do not like being treated different, do we? No, I was in Paris a couple weeks ago, and it's just, it's just fun to say that. It's not, it, I was on my way to pick up my daughter. You've heard the story, um, but we had a little layover, and I, I, went, and, uh, I went to the shopping district in, in Paris, and it was bougie. It was crazy, and there were, there were, I'm a watch guy. I love watches. If you ever want to talk watches, I can talk watches with you all day long, but I, I was like, I, there was Rolex, which is like the low end of these watches shops. There was Patek Philippe there and Artemis Pierre. I can't even say these names. Um, I'd never seen an AP uh, in person. Uh, Then there was a place, uh, a boutique called Richard Mill. And I'd only heard about these and seen them uh, on the internet. And I walked into the Richard Mill uh, and literally, this is not an exaggeration, there was one watch in the entire store. And it was in this case, it was almost like a tomb. Like, I mean, it had lights on it. And I'm like, this is it, Richard Mill? And they're like, yes, we have one watch to offer. And, you know, talk about being judged. I felt judged being in that store. I could tell that they were looking at me saying, this guy is not going to buy a thing. And uh, they were right. I had sandals on. I was traveling. I had my backpack on. I had a hat on. I didn't look, you know, I'd been on a plane all day. I didn't look my best. And, uh, and, and, but even though they were right, I didn't like being judged. How many know? And by the way, that one watch um, I asked her, I said, how much in U.S. dollars? They, they spoke English good. And the one watch, over 800,000 U.S. dollars. That's more than my car is worth. That's more than my house. <laughs> my entire life savings, Right. Oh, man, no one wants to be judged. We want to be seen in the good light. And today, I'm just telling you, the Holy Spirit and through God's word is going to speak to us. The book of James, it's hard hitting. The words of Jesus, we're going to be put together. We're going to talk about judging, showing partiality, favoritism, and it's Jesus in the gospel. And again, we're wanting to create a firm foundation, a stability as believers. And so as we read, you can go ahead and stand. We're going to read God's word. We're in chapter two today. And so you can move there. And I want you to pay attention to three key words. One is partiality. 
The second one is judgment. And the third word is sin. Here we go. The sin of partiality. Verse 1. says, my brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in the Lord Jesus, the Lord of glory. By the way, this was meant to be read aloud, and so that's why we're doing it in this way. This was a letter sent to the 12 churches, and they would have read this out loud to their people. It says, For the, if a man wearing a gold ring and a fine clothes come into your, to your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothes also is coming in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there. See the difference between sit and stand? Or you say, here, sit at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. You are not the, or are not the rich ones who are uh, oppressing you and the ones who drag you into court. Are they not the ones who blaspheme and dishonor uh, the, the, the honorable name by which you were called? In verse 8, it says, if you really fulfill the royal law, pause there. We talked about this last week briefly. That's related to Deuteronomy chapter 6, the great commandment that Jesus said to love God, love others, right? He says, if you are really going to fulfill the greatest commandment, according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are not or and are convicted by the law of the transgressors for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has been guilty of it all for he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder if you do not commit adultery but you do murder have or you have become a transgressor of the law gresher gresser excuse me <laughs> I, my wife is like Slow down. All right, so here we go. I'm going to slow down. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. And verse 13 is a great verse. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Oh, Lord, help these words to speak to us today. Fill us. Lord, help us to put these words into action. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated today. Let's talk about judgment for a moment. And I'm not talking about just judging people or, you know, in minor things like, oh, you, you've got a, a favorite song or music or a genre or a favorite car or a favorite name brand that you like to put your kids in or that you like to wear. No, I'm not talking about that, although you can make some of that case. Uh, there's, there's a natural affinity for us to be around people that are like us, and that's kind of natural. Uh, and even socioeconomically, like you, you end up tend to hang around people that are similar. That's not what we're talking about here so much. But James, he describes judgment in some negative terms. The, he calls it the sin of partiality, favoritism. And it's a major issue pastorally, and he would have wrote this so the pastors would have been reading this, and theologically in the sense that we are all created equal. 
The idea here is when you assume that you know why someone did what they did or did not do, or you assume that you know why someone said what they said or did not say, that's judgment. Or if you look at a situation and you think less of someone for some reason, or even worse, you treat someone as less than because of this or that, that is judgment. And judgment hurts the person being judged. We said we've all been judged. How how many agree it hurts the person being judged? Did you know it also hurts the person actually doing the judging as well? Look at Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. It says that do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And then it goes on to say, if you got a plank in your eye, and you're concerned about the little speck in your neighbor's eye, it says, stop it. Take care of the plank in your own eye before you're concerned about the little speck in your neighbor's eye. Judgment creates pain all around. And I am a living example of that this week. I hate to say. I was with some uh, family in the church, and uh, we were leaving the church, and they have a brand new truck in the parking lot right off the lot. And I'm just like, whoa, nice truck. And, and, I, and I was you know, in the interaction, they're like, oh man, God really blessed us. And I was like, man, that's awesome. And the next day I ran into the same family, the same guy. And, and he's like, hey, I wanted to explain, uh, you know, how this how happened. And apparently my face showed some sort of disappointment or some sort of judgment because he, he wanted to come back to the topic. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't mean anything. If, you, if I, I say no. And he just went on to explain how he got the truck. And after the explanation, I was like, oh, wow, all right. So he was at the dealership with his parents, and his parents are saying, yeah, you should do this. His parents bought some new vehicles, brand new, and, and then his, and they, they were somehow helping in and all of a sudden, it was like a deal that you just couldn't pass up. And his parents are saying, go for it. And I'm thinking, you know what? My parents have done that before. There was a time we were without a vehicle. And my parents sent us $6,000 to buy a vehicle. And it was a huge blessing. And it was like, whoa. And, and so I'm thinking, okay, this is how it goes. And then I thought, you know what? I, I told the guy, I said, next time your parents are going to buy a vehicle, I want to go with them. <laughs> and, 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 but the assumption, and even my face, and the judgment, it was painful for me to hear that I might have been judging, or at least there was a perceived there, and, and that he felt that he was judged. The assumptions around that are painful. We assume the worst of others without knowing the details. And what's crazy is sometimes we even assume things about God. We put him under a microscope. This week is a perfect example. How many times have we heard someone say, and maybe you've said, how could a loving God cause a hurricane like Ian to blow through Florida, right? Or how could, uh, you know, you're experiencing some disappointment or you've been backstabbed. You say, God, how could you let that happen? Or maybe you have some sickness in your life that's chronic and you're saying, okay, God, how could a good God allow me to suffer? 
Or maybe there was an accident of some sort, and you say, God, how could you have let that happen? And the problem is, if we judge, it heaps on the pain. Assuming is never good, especially sometimes we even assume things about others through the lens of God. We play God ourselves and we'll look at a situation and say, oh, they're sick. Uh, You know, we point fingers and say, man, they must have done something wrong or there was a death or cancer or something or what sin was in their life. And Christians are just the worst sometimes. But I just want to set the record straight. This is not a major point in the message today. But when it comes to God and us assuming things about God, can I just be bold? God's only motive, our motives are love and goodness. You should write it down. Just put it in your little journal. God's only motives are good for you. His love for you is great. But this morning, I want to move beyond this idea and say, okay, how do we combat judgmentalism? the sin of partiality, this idea of showing favorites. And this is tough, but it's going to start here. We need to, number one, value people. We need to value people. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. And then at the very last phrase, thinking of others as better than yourself. Judgment is on the other side, on the opposite of humility, isn't it? See, God, he values every person. Apparently, Richard Mill doesn't, but that's okay. They they can be. But listen, how many of us have ever been in a grocery store, and maybe there's a single mom or something like that, or maybe even a family with mom and dad, doesn't matter, and the kids are just out of control. And you're like, can somebody help this you know, like, what is going on? That kid is going to end up in prison someday. I mean, how, how many have ever judged, judged somebody? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand. I, I'll just admit, I've done it. It's like, get some control. But if we really valued that relationship, and we say, well, what if they had just lost, what if this single mom had just lost her husband? Or that single mom just came from two jobs and, and it was, you know, just making ends meet. Or maybe there was a history of abuse and, and uh, didn't know, she didn't know how to handle the kids in an appropriate way. Or maybe she was so stressed out that she only had a few dollars and was trying to pick out what she could do and uh, calculating and couldn't take care of the kids. The point is, if we valued or if we understood the situation, the grace would go up, wouldn't it? In fact, if you really understood what was going on, you may want to step in and help and even pay for groceries. Wouldn't that be great? The point is, we must first value people. I was thinking, does anybody have a uh, $100 bill? I've got a $100 bill on the screen here. Uh, Anybody have a $100 bill? Jessica, you you probably got a $100 bill. Anybody have a $100 bill? Uh, Anybody at all? Oh, Oh, Pastor Sean, you do. Wow, okay. Pastor Sean, wow. All right, okay. Wow, nice and crisp and clean. We're obviously paying him too much. Who's judging Pastor Sean now? Yeah. But uh, the interesting thing is if you had this $100 bill, I promise you, you don't care what number is written on the upper left-hand corner. Am I right? You don't care how this has been used previously, right? Whether it was for good or for evil, to some extent, maybe. You don't care what the condition is. And man, bright, 
brand new $100 bill. What's going on, Sean? But what if I like destroyed it, brother? Or threw it on the ground? What if I jumped on it? Ah! Or I ate it? Would that? No, I'm not going to do that. But what, seriously, like what if it was destroyed? Like what happens, right? The point is the $100 bill doesn't change in its value. Am I right? And it's important for us as we value people. Thanks, Pastor Sean, by the way. And uh, that's good. Keep that one right. Tucked away. I just want to speak to you that your history in the same way, your life and the people you rub shoulders with, it doesn't matter what impact life has thrown their way. It doesn't change their, their value or your value. Where you've been, what you've done, it makes no difference to God. And when we're judging with those that we judge, it's not about what their worth is to us. It's about what their worth is to God. Amen. Value people. We're going to value people. The second thing we want to do is accept people. And I use this term, accept people, uh, very strategically, although some of you may prefer a word respect. So either one would work, uh, accept, accept, or respect. But look what Romans chapter 15, verse 7 says. It says, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. This is a, that's a great verse. Just the way you are. That's what Jesus does. He loves you. He accepts you just the way you are every single time. We look at the scripture. Read the gospels with this lens. If the woman caught in adultery, he accepted her just the way she was. The demon-possessed man, he accepted him just the way he was. The tax collector, the list could go on and on. He did not avoid these people. He did not cast judgment against these people. He wasn't rude or angry. Am I right? And we're talking about dealing with sinners, people outside of the faith, right? Jesus had a way to make sinners comfortable without approving of their sin. And we could take a huge note from that. We could learn from that. You say, wait, didn't Jesus show favoritism? He had the 12 and then the 72. And even among the 12, there were three, Peter, James, and John, and then even the one that was beloved. You know, yes, but not about, he's not judging them or, or favoritizing that. He wasn't playing favorites in the sense that their value was different. No. Romans chapter 2, verse 11, write this down. For God does not show favoritism. Jesus didn't show favoritism. God doesn't show it. And I want you to think about your life. The people that are in your life, at the gym, or in your family, or at the office, or at your school. Once we accept them, truly, we can then work out our differences and understand each other. And accepting is not about what you would do, but about what God would do in the circumstance. Remember the WWJD, what would Jesus do? If we could have that, that, I, that mindset in our relationships, it would help us. Funny story. Um, I'm not a huge tattoo guy. Um, I don't have any tattoos, but uh, um, I, was, I told my family uh, several years ago um, that if I ever got a tattoo, 
I would simply put on my body R period, E period, A period, right across my back. So when I'm at the beach, I take off my shirt. And you know what? If I was actually going to do it, I might put it here and here and here and here. No, 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 just kidding, just kidding. R-E-A. You're saying, what does R-E-A? And uh, it, it simply means respect everyone always. And this idea came to us uh, a few years ago around the kitchen table. I was getting worked up. Let me just, you know, there's no perfect family. So if you're going to judge us, bring it on. Um, it's fine. But we were, we were talking, and I don't even remember the, the circumstances so much, but we were, we were getting to the place that it was unhealthily. We were judging somebody or something, and I was like, you know what? And I got, you guys remember, I, I got all worked up, and I'm like, we need to respect everyone always. And I said it with such a gusto that my kids just kept on bringing it back to me over and over. Respect everyone always. Respect. And then, and then I was like, look, if I ever got a tattoo, I'm going to get R-E-A. And that's the story. And uh, I don't know why I told that, but we should be respecting or accepting others into our lives. All right, so we're going to value people. We're going to accept others. Number three, we need to forgive people as well. Wow. This is the hardest to do. It is natural to judge those who have hurt us. Am I right? But if we do not learn to forgive, we are in big trouble. When Jesus was asked how to pray, you know, the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father which art in heaven, how be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? And then it says, forgive us our debts, right? We, we, how many of you have heard that, memorized that? You know, that, that'd be a good one to tattoo maybe too. But, um, but did you know that right after that, that we, we do and we talk about so much in verse 14 and 15 of Matthew 6, Right after the Lord's Prayer, it says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, we simply need, as God's people, we need to learn to forgive. And that's a huge topic. I've preached at least two whole message series on forgiveness in the past. Uh, and it's a hard thing to kind of grapple with. And we don't have the time to do it. But the, sometimes we fear forgiving. We'd say, well, you know, we're, we were accepting what happened to us or, I, you know, trusting back. No, no, no. Forgiveness, forgiving is not just saying it's okay. Because it's not okay in some ways whatever happened to you. But it does release the weight of judgment. And that is a big deal. Um, Man, I wish I had more time on that. Listen, forgiveness is based not on feelings. It's based on what Jesus did on the cross. And we need to be forgiving. We need to value. We need to accept. We need to forgive. And there's one more encouragement that may be even harder than forgiving for some of you. We need to get close to people. When I say getting close to people, I want you to think back to that story of the single mom or the family where the kids are out of control. What if you stepped in and got to know that person? Wouldn't it change things a bit? 
Or maybe you know someone that was a drug addict or struggled with addiction in some way, and you stepped in and got close and really got to understand their background. How about this? Transgender students in our school systems right here on the lakeshore. What if we stepped in and got close in those relationships? It blows my mind, but it's an absolute fact that in our schools, as young that I'm aware of, in fifth and sixth grade, there are kids transitioning with their parents' help. And it's hard to even imagine, but instead of putting up a wall, what if we got close, we stepped in? How about the homosexual that is your coworker? Or the neighbor who's the ex-con, or even maybe harder for some, a sex offender? What if you stepped in close? Or anyone, for that matter, who does not share your view, or whatever the topic, on whatever the topic might be? What if you stepped in and had a relationship got close and sought to understand. This is not on the screen, but you should write it down. Isolation is a breeding ground for judgment. When you are isolated and you only spend time with people that are like you, it's a breeding ground to judge others. Lord, help us. Relationships, though, is the antidote for judgment. We were at the funeral yesterday, Jessica and I. We drove across the state to, to Detroit. Our former superintendent of the Michigan district, his wife, passed of cancer. And I uh, love this family. Uh, they're just incredible. But Karen Halavin uh, was the one that we were honoring in, in her death. And uh, two times specifically, I noticed, and it's probably because I'd been uh, working on this message, but two times, once her uh, son and then once a friend of hers uh, from the pulpit shared how Karen was masterful at loving people and getting close to people even that were different from her. And what was interesting, in the one case, the, the son was a wayward son, a prodigal son at one point, and he was sharing the story, and she would step in getting close Never let him go, but she was also very clear that what he was doing was wrong. And, and he talked about the dynamic there, and it just caught my attention. But listen, we need to build healthy relationships. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and pouring into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. You're saying, Pastor, why are you reading this? That's like a pre-offering. Like if you're going to receive an offering, uh, let's talk about this verse. It's a good one, right? But that's not only true about giving, it's true about everything. It's the sowing and reaping principle. And if you back that verse up, just one verse in verse 37, the context of where this is coming from, let's look at it is about judgment. Verse 37, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. And then it says, give and then you will receive. Your gift will return, pressed down, shaken together, running over. With the measure you give, it will come back to you. Wow. With the amount that you treat others, it's going to come back to you. Let's, let's run some things through that paradigm. 
So when you're generous to others, how many know generosity is going to come back to you? If you love well, you're going to be loved well. If you give a lot of grace, you're going to get a lot of grace. But if you go to the other side, if you're, you know, a critical person, you're going to receive some criticism. Therefore, you're sarcastic or you hate someone or you're rude. Those things are going to come back as well. It's a fact. You get more of what you give. And the point is, the closer we get to people, the less we're going to judge people. And that's what we want. That's what James is talking about here. There's a young man now a young man. Uh, his name is Stephen, and he's from Dayton, Ohio. And he grew up in our kids' ministry. And uh, he had a, uh, just one brother or two, two brothers and a sister, and they're all a part of our kids' church. And the reason is because their grandpa brought them to church. It was really cool. And not only did the grandpa bring them to church, get this, the grandpa served with me. I was the kids pastor for years. Marion, I love that guy. And uh, he was a great uh, addition to our kids uh, team on Sunday morning. And I was telling Pastor Jamie about this, total side note, this morning. And she was saying, please tell the grandmas and grandpas in the room that she would love to have you serving alongside to love these kids. And that's exactly what Marion did. But Marion made sure his kids were in church, or his grandkids were in church. Now, what you don't know about this family is that there was some issues in this family for sure. Uh, Marion's daughter uh, was a wayward child uh, to some degree, although she came back and gave her heart to Jesus. But she was a single mom. There was definitely some abuse, some pain, some trauma, uh, so much so in the family that we had a ministry called Kids Hope on Tuesday nights for a while. And it was for single moms to come and drop their kids off. And the single moms could go shopping by themselves. They could go to the mall. They could go get a cup of coffee. Or they could go home and take a nap. It didn't matter whatever they wanted to do. And we would just love on the kids. And we played games. And we maybe, I don't know if we even shared scripture. I, I don't know. Maybe. Didn't, I don't remember. But, but this family, one of the kids, and Stevens, I'm talking about Steven here track with me. I'm off on a rabbit trail big time. So Stephen, I'm going to talk about in a second, but one of his brothers, just to give you an idea of how um, tough the, the family life, one of the brothers for months would be dropped off to Kids Hope, and he would run and go underneath the bleachers and would sit under the bleachers and wouldn't come out the entire time. It was bad. And we're like, whoa, something's going on. We prayed for this family, and uh, the rest of the kids were okay, but, uh, but David um, would do that, and it was, it was crazy. But anyway, back to Stephen for a moment. Stephen, fast forward, I mean, this is a, the type of family that society, that society would just write off. And like, they're not going anywhere, there's nothing, nothing good happening here, but Jesus, come on. Not with Jesus. We came close to that family. We loved them. We were compassionate to them. And what happened is their family, one by one, got saved. It was amazing. And Stephen, now fast forward 15 years later, just this last week, two weeks ago, he is serving, get this, this will blow your mind, in the same children's ministry that I was the pastor of. He's one of the leaders. And he apparently 
is a great leader because the, in the month of August at Bethel Christian Jam Adventures, they still call it Jam Adventures, that's Jesus and Me Adventures, um, they, the kids raised over $1,200 for BGMC, which is pretty awesome. And apparently... Uh, Stephen was one of the recipients. Let's go to the first picture here. This is Stephen, and he's about to get a pie in the face. I love it. This is Stephen, and he's getting the pie in his face. Bam! (laughs) And look at him here. He is a transformed kid and a young adult now, serving the Lord, serving kids. And society would have wrote this kid off and the rest of his family. But we decided, in this case, to step in close. And we decided that we were going to value, accept them. We're going to forgive if we needed to, not in that case. But we're going to get close. The point is, is that James is fighting the sin of partiality, showing favoritism, casting judgment. In church, We must fight judgmentalism, showing partiality, favoritism. Let's just acknowledge that this is opposite of the world, what the world does. Am I right? It's it's common to just judge and to throw people under the bus. No, no. We want to look at every person through the lens of the gospel and through the lens of James here. And I would just say, let it be said of the Gateway Church that we would be a people that value and accept, respect, that we forgive, and mostly we come close into relationships that we may not otherwise do. And I do want to speak to the critic that's here. I'm sure there's at least one. As you listen to this message and you say, doesn't Jesus say, or doesn't the word of God say that we are to judge one another? And you're right, it does say that. But that's not what this message is about. We're talking about people outside of the faith primarily. It does say in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 though, verse 12 and 13, says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside of the church whom you are to judge? which is true. We should hold each other accountable and we should strengthen each other and, uh, and help each other along. But then it says, God judges those outside. And then he says, purge the evil person from among you. Pretty strong language. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 5. But for our purposes today, we want to be people that are not showing partiality. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Father, I just pray right now that you would help us not to just be hearers of the word, but to be doers, to put this word into practice. And Lord, Forgive me, forgive my family for the times we've judged. And help us, Lord, to value and accept, respect, 
forgive and come close to those that are different from us. And God, I pray that it would make a, a profound impact in our lives and in the lives of those that we're trying to reach. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone to stand right where you are. Before we close, I don't know everyone here. And by the way, we've been praying for you. You are an answer to prayer. Thanks for being here today. And I know we've got some first-time guests, but uh, if you're here for the first time or you've been here a long time and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, we want to offer you the free gift of salvation. Simply, the Word of God says we're all sinners. I don't have to convince you of that. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus was sent to this world to die for us so that we could live. And he took your sins and my sins on his back on the cross. And the great thing is, is if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he wants to do that for you today. With your head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here, first service, we had one young lady, uh, but who here, second service, is saying, yes, I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I need Jesus to save me. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? Yeah. Is that a half hand raise? If you're serious, raise it high so I can see. Yeah. Anyone else saying, yes, that's me today. Pray for me. Yeah, thanks. If you're online, all you got to do is type in, hey, I need Jesus, and we will follow up with you 100% of the time. For the sake of the couple that raise their hands here, I just want to pray a sinner's prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that will save you. It's your heart. It's changing your heart, saying, God, forgive me. It's a confession of your sin. Let's just pray. Lord, forgive us. Come into our hearts. Take away our sin. We put our faith in you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this. God, I pray that you would do a great work in our lives. We surrender to you. And Lord, help us to live all the days of our lives for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to close with a song. It's the theme song for this series. The song is called Firm Foundation. We've sang it a few times now but let it just minister to you before we head on out today. God bless you. God, we just uh, thank you, Lord, that you're in our situations, that you walk around us, that uh, when we have difficult moments, Lord, we can always put our trust in you. And God, we thank you even for being the example, being the example of the one who forgave us so that we could even forgive others. God, we thank you for being the example on accepting us, Lord, as fallen people, God, to be able to uh, accept you and go into your kingdom, God. We just thank you always for uh walking around us, being with us. And God, I pray as we leave this place, God, that we would be your example, God, that we'd be the example in our workplaces. God, we'd be the example uh, just as you've shown us. And God, as we leave this place, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd be with us, that you'd be all around us. And God, that we would be able to follow you everywhere we walk. 
Lord. We just give you the praise and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us here at the Gateway Church. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.